Welcome to Books and Sound. I'm your host, Don Beavers, and this episode contains a digitally remastered theatrical presentation of one of the great works of literature. Please remember to subscribe so that you can enjoy new episodes as they are released. This podcast is provided free and offered without commercial interruption. If you enjoy the episode, please leave us a positive review so that we can grow the podcast. Enjoy. From New York City, the Columbia Network presents William Shakespeare's fantasy, Twelfth Night. Monday night at this time, during July and August, the Columbia Network has brought you special full-hour radio adaptations of seven of William Shakespeare's greatest plays, starring some of the world's most distinguished artists. Tonight, another imposing list of players from stage, screen, and radio join us in bringing you Shakespeare's delightful fantasy, Twelfth Night, which is the concluding play in Columbia's 1937 Shakespeare cycle. Tonight's performance of Twelfth Night are Tallulah Bankhead as Viola, Sir Cedric Hardwick as Malvolio, Helen Menken as Olivia, Orson Welles as Duke Orsino, and Estelle Winwood as Mariah. The brilliant supporting cast is headed by Mark Smith as Sir Toby Belch, Robert Strauss as Sir Andrew Aguecheek, Burford Hampton as Feste the Clown, Sidney Smith as Sebastian, Ray Collins as Antonio, John Driggs plays Valentine, Niles Welch plays the officer. Victor Bay, Columbia's talented young conductor, raises his baton to lead the orchestra in the musical introduction. And Conway Turrell, distinguished actor of stage and screen, comes forward as narrator to present the prologue to Twelfth Night. On the sunlit coast of a green curling sea is the land of Illyria. The sand on the shore is white. From the moss of the glistening rocks spring small white flowers. And white, rising above the cypress trees, white are the marble columns of the great palace, towards which we are wafted by this strain of music. Here dwells the Countess Olivia, beautiful, aloof, and melancholy. For the death of an only brother has clouded her life. In the household of the fair Olivia lives her uncle, the sponging, roaring, wine-bibbing, fat Sir Toby Belch. You may be sure he is not sad. He's in the kitchen getting drunk as fast as he can with his old crony, Sir Andrew Aguecheek. Sir Andrew is spindle-shanked and rattle-brained. But Toby would like to see him married to Olivia to make her borrowing money a bit easier. Beside them now stands Mariah, a pert wench with saucy blue eyes, who, in moments of more propriety, acts as lady-in-waiting to Olivia. Mariah! Mariah! What a plague means my niece to take the death of her brother thus. Mariah! A scoop of wine! Sir Toby, Sir Toby. That drinking will undo you. I heard my lady Olivia talk of it yesterday. And of this foolish knight that you brought in one night to be her wooer. Who? Sir Andrew Agnesheek? Aye, he. Please, Sir Toby. I'll ride home tomorrow. Your niece will none of me. The Duke Orsina himself woos her. She'll none of the Duke. I've heard her swear it. Come, come, shall we set about some revels? Oh, I delight in revels sometimes altogether. See, I, I can cut a caper. Let me see the caper. And then there is Malvolio, the pompous majordomo and butler-in-chief to Olivia. Now he gestures to himself in the mirror. First he waves an elegantly ruffled hand. Then he leans to examine a small blemish on a rather large nose. Malvolio is socially ambitious. He is persuaded that his mistress is secretly in love with him. To be Count Malvolio. What is but fortune, all is fortune. Mariah once told me that the lady Olivia did affect me. And I've heard herself come thus near. 
that should she fancy you to be one of my complexion, besides uses me with a more exalted respect than anyone else that follows her. <laughs> well, what should I think of it? And now, here is the Lady Olivia herself. Before stands a messenger from the Duke Orsino. Your Lord does know my mind. I cannot love him. Yet I suppose him virtuous, know him noble, a gracious person. But yet, I cannot love him. He might have took his answer long ago. Now we must hurry on to another palace. The seat of the handsome Duke Gorsino. Ahead of us on the winding road is the Duke's messenger who has just been turned away by Olivia. If we hasten, we shall be in time to hear what he reports to his master. This is the Duke. Valentine, how now? What news from her? So please, my lord, the element itself, till seven years head, shall not behold her face at ample view. But like a cloistress, she will veil it walk. Oh, she that hath a heart of that fine frame to pay this debt of love but to a brother. How will she love when the rich golden shaft hath killed the flock of all affections else that live in her? Come, get you in. Olivia weeps for her brother, and Orsino sighs for Olivia. To all appearances, they may continue to do so till doomsday on the white, sunlit shores of the green, curling sea. But now comes a storm. Out at sea, a hurrying ship is lashed to helplessness by wind and frothing waves. A brother and sister, twins, alike in place and manner, cling frantically to each other. The mainmast goes. The ship is down to the stern. The brother and sister are in the water. Now they are wrenched apart. Now a rushing avalanche of water is between them. A sailor is swimming toward the girl as night blots out the sea. Viola, for that is the girl's name, is rescued and brought safely to shore in a small boat, just as day dawns. But no one has seen her twin brother, Sebastian. Now Viola has mastered her grief, best she can, in the faint hope that he may have been rescued. Now she must turn to the problem of living. For she is without money or friends. Knowest thou this country, sailor? Aye, madam. Who governs here? A noble duke, Orsino. Orsino. I've heard my father name him. He was a bachelor then. And so is now, or was so very late. I prithee conceal me what I am. And be my aid, for such disguise as haply shall become the form of my intent. I'll serve this duke. For I can sing and speak to him in many sorts of music. That will allow me very worthy service. What else may happen? Through time I will commit. Only shape thou thy silence to my lips. And thus, dressed as a boy, with her hair still salty from the sea, cut short like a boy's, Viola enters the service of the Duke Orsino, calling herself Cesario. Thus ends the prologue and begins the play of Twelfth night, or what you will. The Duke continues these favors toward you, Cesario. You would like to be much advanced. He has known you but three days, and already you are no stranger. You either fear his humor or my negligence, that you call in question the continuance of his love. Is he inconstant, sir, in his favors? No, believe me. I thank you. Here he comes. If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it, that surfeiting the appetite may sicken and so die. That strain again, it had a dying fall. Oh, it came o'er my ear like the sweet sound that breathes upon a bank of violets, stealing and giving odor. Enough, no more. It is not so sweet now as it was before. Who saw Cesario ho? On your attendance, my lord. Here. Stand you a while aloof. Cesario, thou knowest no less but all. I have unclasped to thee the book even of my secret soul. Therefore, good youth, address thy gate unto her. Be not denied excess. Stand at her doors and tell them, there thy fixed foot shall grow till I have audience. Sure, my noble lord, if she be so abandoned to her sorrow as it is spoke, 
She never will admit me. Be clamorous and leap all civil bounds rather than make unprofited returns. Say, I do speak with her, my lord. What then? Oh, then unfold the passion of my love. Surprise her with discourse of my dear faith. It will become thee well to act my woes. She will attend it better in thy youth than in annuncios of more grave aspect. <laughs> I think not so, my lord. Dear lad, believe it, for they shall yet belie thy happy years that say thou art a man. Some four or five attend him. All, if you will, for I myself am best when least in company. Prosper well in this, and thou shalt live as freely as thy lord to call his fortunes thine. I'll do my best to woo your lady. Yet a bar for strife. Whoever I woo, myself would be his wife. Mrs. Feshtay, the Lady Olivia's clown, speaking out of her part. From a seat here, in Lady Olivia's garden, I can see the road that winds through the cypress trees from the Duke's palace. That handsome young page, newly taken into Orsino's service, is coming our way. I may guess what he has to say, and true, I wish him success. For truly, my lady has mourned too long. But soft, here she comes. God bless thee, Lady Olivia. Take the fool away. Do you not hear, Malvolio? Take away the lady. Sir, I bade them take away you. Miss Prison in the highest degree. Good Madonna, give me leave to prove you a fool. Can you do it? Dexteriously, good Madonna. Make your proof. Good Madonna, why mourns thou? Oh, good fool, for my brother's death. I think his soul is in hell, Madonna. I know his soul is in heaven, fool. The more fool, Madonna, to mourn for your brother's soul being in heaven. <laughs> take away the fool, Malvolio. What think you of this fool, Malvolio? Doth he not mend? Yes, and shall do till the pangs of death shake him. Infirmity that decays the wise doth ever make the better fool. God send you, sir, a speedy infirmity for the better increasing your folly. Oh, how say you to that, Malvolio? Oh, I wonder your ladyship takes delight in such a barren rascal. No, you are sick of self-love, Malvolio, and taste with a distempered appetite. Madam, madam, there is at the gate a young gentleman, much desires to speak with you. From the Duke of Sino, is it, Maria? <laughs> I know not, madam. Is a fair young man and well attended. Oh, go you, Malvolio. If it be a suit from the Count, I am sick or not at home or what you will to dismiss it. Oh, <sighs> mistress mine, where are you roaming? Oh, mistress mine, ah. where are you roaming? Oh, stay and hear your true love coming. You hear, Lady Olivia? Go to. Your fooling grows old. <laughs> madam! Madam! Hi, Malvolio. Yon young fellow swears that he will speak with you. I told him you were sick. He takes on him to understand so much and therefore comes to speak with you. I told him you were asleep. He seems to have a foreknowledge of that too and therefore comes to speak with you. What is to be said to him, lady? He's fortified against any denial. Tell him he shall not speak with me. Has been told so, and he says he'll stand at your door like a sheriff's post and be the supporter to a bench, but he'll speak with you. Why, what kind of a man is he? Uh, of mankind. What manner of man? Oh, very ill manner. He'll speak with you, will you all know? Of what personage and years is he? Not yet old enough for a man, nor young enough for a boy. As a squash is before it is a peace cod, or a codling when it is almost a happle. Tis with him in standing water between boy and man. He's very well favored, and he speaks very shrewishly. One would think his mother's milk was scarce out of him. Oh. <laughs> Let him approach. Call in, Maria. Gentlewoman, my lady calls. My lady? Maria, give me my veil. Come, throw it over my face. We'll once more hear Orsino's embassy. The honorable lady of the house. Which is she? Speak to me. I shall answer for her. Your will. Most radiant, exquisite, and unmatchable beauty. I pray you tell me if this be the lady of the house. I would be loath to cast away my speech. For besides, if it is excellently well penned, I have taken great pains to con it. Whence came you, sir? Well, I can say a little more than I've studied, and that question's out of my part. Are you a comedian? No, my profound heart. And yet, by the very fangs of malice, I swear I'm not that I play. Are you the lady of the house? If I do not usurp myself, I am. Well, most certain if you are she, you do usurp yourself. For what is yours to restore is not yours to reserve. 
I will arm with my speech and your praise and then show you the heart of my message. Come to what is important, Int. I forgive you the praise. Alas, I took great pains to study it. And tis poetical. It is more the light to be feigned. Come, speak your office. It alone concerns your ear. Aye. Malvolio, give us the place alone. <coughs> Madame. Now, sir. What is your take? Most sweet lady. Ah, a comfortable doctrine, and much may be said of it. But where lies your text? In Orsino's bosom. In his bosom? In what chapter of his bosom? In the first of his heart. Oh, I have read it. It is heresy. Have you no more to say? Good, madam, let me see your face. Have you any commission from your lord to negotiate with my face? Oh, you are now out of your text. But we will draw the curtain and show you the picture. Look, you, sir. Is not well done. Excellently done. If God did all. Tis in vain, sir. Twill endure wind and weather. Tis beauty truly blent. Whose red and white nature's own sweet and cunning hand laid on. Lady, you're the cruelest she alive. If you will leave these graces to the grave and leave the world no copy. Oh, sir. I will not be so hard-hearted. I will give out diverse schedules of my beauty. As item, two lips, oh, indifferent red. Item, two gray eyes with lids to them. Item, one neck, one chin, and so forth. Oh, were you sent hither to praise me? I see what you are. You're too proud. But if you were the devil, you're fair. My lord and master loves you. Oh, such love could be but recompense. Though you were crowned the non parole of beauty. How does he love me? With adorations, fertile tears. With groans at thunder love, with sighs of fire. Your lord does know my mind. I cannot love him. He might have took his answer long ago. If I did love you in my master's place, in your denial I would find no sense I would not understand. Why? What would you? Make me a willow cabin at your gate and call upon my soul within the house. Write loyal cantons of contaminated love and sing them loud even into the dead of night. Hallow your name to the reverberate hills and make the babbling gossip of the air cry out, Olivia. Oh, you should not rest between the elements of air and earth, but you should pity me. You might do much. What is your parentage? Above my fortune, yet my state as well. I, uh, I am a gentleman. I? Oh, get you to your lord. I cannot love him. Let him send no more. Unless, perchance, you come to me again uh, to tell me how he takes it. Very well. I thank thee for your pains. Spend this for me. I am no feed post lady. Keep your purse. My master, not myself, lacks recompense. Farewell, fair cruelty. Fare thee well. Oh, what? Is your parentage above my fortunes, yet my state is well? I am a gentleman. Ah, I'll be sworn thou art, thy tongue, thy face, limbs, actions, and spirit, to give thee fivefold blazon, but not too fast, soft, soft. Unless the master were the man, or how now, even so quickly may one catch the plague. Methinks I feel this youth's perfections. With an invisible and subtle stealth to creep in at mine eyes. Well, let it be. Oh, Malvolio. Yeah, Maron, at your service. Run after that same Peter's messenger, the county's man. He he left this ring behind him, would I or not? Tell him I'll none of it. Desire him not to flatter with his lord, nor hold him up with hopes. I am not for him. If if that youth will come this way tomorrow, I shall give him reasons for it. Hide thee, Malvolio. Madam, I will. Oh, I do, I know not what. Oh, fate, show thy force. It's first day the clown. I swear my mistress has fallen in love with the Duke's page, Cesario. Else why is she distracted? Else why did she send him a ring he ne'er had? Else why did she retire to bed without supper, if it were not to dream? But let that go. 
Sir Toby and the foolish Sir Andrew are drunk in the kitchen, where I shall join them anon. Approach, Sir Andrew. Not to be a bed after midnight is to be up the times, thou knowest. Nay, by my troth, I know not. But I know to be up late is to be up late. A false conclusion. I hate it as an unfilled can. Doesn't that our life consist of the four elements? Hey, so they say. But but I think it, it rather consists of eating and drinking. Oh, what a scholar. Let us therefore eat and drink. Hey, Robin, don't, Robin, tell me, how the lady, how now, my heart? Here comes the foolie thing. Welcome, sir. Now let's have a chat. Come on, let's have a song. Mm, shall we make the welcome dance indeed? <laughs> shall we rouse the night owl in a catch that will draw three souls out of one weaver? <laughs> shall we do that? And you love me, let's do it. I'm a dog and a catch. Let our catch be, thou knave. Hold thy peace, thou knave knight. I shall be constrained in it to call thee knave knight. It is not the first time I've constrained one to call me knave. Uh, begin, fool. It, it begins, hold thy peace. I shall never begin if I hold my peace. <laughs> Good faith. Come, begin. Hold thy peace, I pray. Hold thy peace. do you keep here? If my lady had not called up her steward, Malvolio, and bid him turn you out of doors, never trust me. Mariah, my lady's a Catayan. Malvolio's a beggar Ramsey. And three merry men be we. <laughs> Am not I consanguineous? Am I not of a blood? Chilly Valley, lady. <laughs> there dwelt a man in Babylon, in Babylon, in Babylon. Peace. For the love of God, peace! Here comes Malvolio. My masters, are you mad or what are you? Have you no wit, manners, nor honesty, but the gabble-like tinkers of this time of night? Well, uh, do you make an alehouse of my lady's house that you speak out your cosiest sketches without any mitigation or remorse of voice? Is there no respect of place persons nor time in your? We did keep time, sir, in our churches. Sir Toby, I must be round with you. My Lady Olivia bade me tell you that though she arbors you as her kinsman, she is nothing allied to your disorder. If you can separate yourself and your misdemeanors, you are welcome to the house. If not, and it would please you to take your leave of her, she is very willing to bid you farewell. Farewell, dear heart. Since I must needs be gone, snack up. Nay, <laughs> good, Sir Toby. Oh, this is much credit to you. Shall I bid him go? Oh, no. What, and if you do? Shall I bid him go and spare not? No, 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 you dare not. Sir Toby, no, art any more than a steward, dost thou think, because thou art virtuous, there should be no more cakes and ales? Go, sir, rub your chain with... Crumbs. A stoop of wine, Mariah. <laughs> Mistress Mariah, if you prize my lady's favor as anything more than contempt, you would not give means for this uncivil rule. She shall know of it by this end. So shake your ears. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Sir Toby, be patient for tonight. Since the youth of the Count was today with my lady, she is much out of quiet. For Monsieur Malvolio, let me alone with him. If I do not gull him into a nay word and make him a common recreation, do not think I have wit enough to lie straight in my bed. I know I can do it. Possess us, possess us. Tell us something of him. Mary, sir, sometimes he's a kind of Puritan. Oh, if I thought that, I'd beat him like a dog. <laughs> the devil of Puritan, that he is. Or anything constantly but a time pleaser. Malvolio's the best persuaded of himself, so crammed that he thinks with excellences that it is his grounds of faith that all that look on him love him. <laughs> <laughs> and on that vice in him will my revenge find a notable cause to work. What wilt thou do? I will drop in Malvolio's way some obscure epistles of love. <laughs> Wherein? Mm -hmm. <laughs> By the color of his beard, the shape of his leg, the manner of his gait, 
The expression of his eye, forehead, and complexion. He shall find himself most feelingly personated. <laughs> <laughs> I can write very like me, Lady Olivia. On a forgotten matter, we can hardly make distinction of our hands. Excellent. I smell a device. I have it in my nose, too. Malvolio shall think by the letters that thou wilt drop that they come from my niece and that she's in love with him. My purpose is indeed a horse of that color. Uh, and your horse now would make him an ass. Ass. I doubt not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it will be admirable. It's thought to royal, I'll warrant you. I know my physic will work with him. I, I will plant you two where Malvolio shall find the letter. Mm -hmm. Observe his construction of it. <laughs> for this night to bed and dream on the event. <laughs> Farewell. Good night, Penthesilia. <laughs> Before me, she's a good wench. She's a beagle, true bred. And one that adores me. Oh, what of that? I was adored once. Yeah. Come, come, I'll go burn some sack. It's too late to go to bed now. Come night, come night. There's welcome man in We've just heard the first part of Columbia's presentation of Twelfth Night, starring Tallulah Bankhead as Viola, Sir Cedric Hardwick as Malvolio, Helen Menken as Olivia, Orson Welles as Duke Orsino, and Estelle Winwood as Mariah. The play will continue in just a moment. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Continue with the second part of Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, and again your narrator, Conway Turrell, comes forward to set the scene. Another day has passed for the shores of the green curling sea, and Viola, still masquerading as the boy Cesario, has fallen violently in love with the Duke Orsino. But the Duke is more madly in love than ever with Olivia. He sits now in his great chair, listening to the court musicians, while Viola lies at his feet on a silver cushion. Oh, good Cesario, if ever thou shalt love, in the sweet pangs of it, remember me. For such as I am, all true lovers are, unstayed and skittish in all motions else, save in the constant image of the creature that is beloved. How dost thou like this tune? It gives a very echo to the seat where love is thrown. Thou dost speak masterly. My life upon it, young though thou art, thine eye hath stayed upon some favor that it loves. Hath it not, boy? A little, by your favor. What kind of woman is it? Of your complexion, my lord. <laughs> She's not worthy, then. What years is it? About your years, my lord. Too old, by heaven. Let still the woman take an elder than herself. So wears she to him. So sways she level in her husband's heart. Then let thy love be younger than thyself, for thy affection cannot hold the bent. For women are as roses, whose fair flower being once displayed, before that very hour. And so they are. Alas, that they are so, to die, even when they to perfection go. Now, good Cesario, but that piece of song, that old and antique song we heard last night. I thought it did relieve my passion much, more than light airs and recollected terms of these most brisk and giddy-paced times. Come, but one verse. Are you ready, my lord? I prithee, sing. <laughs> Come, come, come away, yes, and in sad silence let me be 
to yon same sovereign cruelty. But if she cannot love you, sir? I cannot be so answered. Say that some lady, as perhaps there is, hath for your love as great a pang of heart as you have for Olivia. You cannot love her, you tell her so. But must she not then be so answered? There is no woman's sides can bide the beating of so strong a passion as love to give my heart. No woman's heart so big to hold so much. Make no compare between that love a woman can bear me and that I or Olivia. Ah, but I know. What dost thou know? Too well what love women to men may owe. In fate, there is true of heart as we. My father had a daughter, loved a man. And what's her history? A blank, my lord. She never told her love. But let concealment like a worm in the bud feed on her damask cheek. She pined and thought, and with a green and yellow melancholy... She sat like patience on a monument, smiling at grief. Was not this love indeed, my lord? But died thy sister of her love, my boy? I am all the daughters of my father's house. And all the brothers, too. And yet I know not. Sir, shall I to this lady? Aye, now that's the theme. To her in haste. Give her this jewel. Say my love can give no place... Bide no delay. This is Hester the Clown, speaking frankly out of my part. And I must tell you that the impudent young page Cesario is knocking at our gates again. Milady has come into the garden to meet him. I believe the young rascal suspects that my Madonna loves him. But soft. Excellent, accomplished lady, the heavens rain odors on you. Your hand, sir. My duty, madam, and most humble servant. What is your name? Cesario is your servant's name, fair princess. My servant, sir. Your servant is the Duke of Sino, you. And he is yours, and his must need be yours. Your servant's servant is your servant, madam. I bet you never speak of him again. But would you undertake another suit... I had rather hear you to solicit that than music from the spheres. Dear lady. Cesario, give me leave, beseech you. I did send, after the last enchantment you did hear, a ring in chase of you. So did I abuse myself, my servant, and I fear me, you. And under your hard construction must I sit. To force that on you in a shameful cunning of which you knew none of. To one of your receiving, enough is shown. A cypress, not a bosom hideth my heart. Let me hear you speak. I pity you. That's a degree of love. No, not a grind. For it is vulgar proof that very oft we pity enemies. Why then, methinks tis time... To smile again? A world, how apt the poor are to be proud. Be not afraid, good youth. I'll not have you. There lies your way. You west. Then westward ho, grace and good disposition attend your ladyship. You're nothing, madam, to my lord by me. Stay, I prithee. Tell me what thou thinkest of me. That you do think you're not what you are. As I think so. I think the same of you. Ah, then think you right. I'm not what I am. Ah, but I would you were as I would have you be. Would it be better, madam, than I am? Oh, I wish it might, for now I am your fool. Oh, 
Sarya, by the roses of the spring, by maidhood, honor, truth, and everything. I love thee so, that maugre all thy pride, no wit, no reason can my passion hide. By innocence, I swear, and by my youth, I have one heart, one bosom, and one truth, and that no woman has, nor ever none shall, Mistress dear, it save I alone. And so adieu, good madam. Nevermore will I my master's tears to you deplore. Yet come again, for thou perhaps mayest move that heart, which now pours to like his love. This is Festy the Clown. I'm very weary I am of this lovemaking. Oh, well, there's some sport afoot. Sir Toby and Sir Andrew and Mariah are in the garden. And Mariah has scribbled the letter to Malvolio in a hand so like my lady's that Malvolio cannot choose but be fooled. Nor does he need persuasion. The ass believes my lady loves him. <laughs> Here comes Mariah with the letter. Sir Toby! Sir Andrew! Festy! Quick! Quick! Malvolio's coming. Malvolio's coming down this wall. He has been yonder by the sun, practicing behavior to his own shadow this last half hour. <laughs> Observe him for the love of mockery. But I know this letter will make a contemplative idiot of him. Get ye all three into the box tree. Letter, lie thou there. For here comes the trout that must be caught with tickling. <laughs> To be Count Malvolio. Oh, there is example for it. The lady of the Strachey married the yeoman of the wardrobe. Having been three months married to Olivia, calling my officers about me in my branched velvet gown, having come from a daybed where I have left Olivia sleeping. Fire and brimstone. And then to have the humor of state, and after a demure regard of travel, telling them that I know my place as I would they should do theirs. To ask for my kinsman, Toby. Oh, for a stone bow to hit him in the eye. Oh, be, be, Seven be. of my people with an obedient start make out for him. I frown the while. If a chance wind up my watch or play with my, uh, some rich jewel. Toby approaches, curtsies there to me. Shall this fellow live? <laughs> I extend my hand to him thus, saying, <clears throat> a cousin Toby... My fortunes having cast me on your niece give me this prerogative of speech. You must amend your drunkenness. Out, scab. Nay, Besides, you waste the treasure of your time with a foolish knight. That's me. I warrant you. Once a handrow. I knew it was a <laughs> Hmm. Ha-ha. Oh. A letter. <clears throat> now is the woodcock near the gym. What employment have we here? By my leaf, this is my lady's hand. These be her very C's, her U's, and her T's. And thus makes she her great P's. Oh, it is intended to question her hand. Her C's, her U's, and her T's? Why that? To the unknown beloved, this and my good wishes. Her very phrases. By your leave wax. Soft. And the impression of her Lucrece with which she uses to seal. Oh, tis my lady. Hmm. To whom should this be? Did not I say he would work it out? I may command where I adore, but silence like a Lucrece knife, with bloodless stroke me art doth gore. Him ho hey hide doth sway me life. A Faustian riddle. Excellent wench. <laughs> Him ho hey hide doth sway me life. Oh, let me see, let me see. I may command where I adore. Why, she may command me. Oh, this is evident to any form of capacity. There is no obstruction in this. And the end, what does this alphabetical position portend? Hem, ho, hey, hi. Hem. Malvolio, hem. Why, that begins my name. There, did not I say he would work it out? Yes, but then there is no constancy in the sequel that suffers under probation. 
A should follow, but Ho does. And O shall end, I hope. I'll cudgel him and make him cry, Ho. Soft, here follows prose. If this fall into thy hand, revolve. Mm-hmm. In my stars I am above thee, but be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Remember who commended thy yellow stockings and wished to see thee ever cross-gartered. I say, remember. Go to, thou art made, if thou desirest to be so. Farewell. She that would alter services with thee, the fortunate unhappy. Oh, daylight and champagne discovers not more. This is open. Ho, ho. Oh, I do not now fool myself to let imagination date me. For every reason excites me to this. That my lady loves me. <laughs> oh, I thank my stars I'm happy. I will baffle Sir Toby. <laughs> I will be strange, scouting yellow stockings and cross-gartered even with the swiftness of putting on. Jove and my stars be praised. Oh, here is yet a postscript. Thou canst not choose but know who I am. If thou entertainest my love, let it appear in thy smiling. Thy smiles become thee well. Jove, I thank thee. I will smile. I will do everything that thou wilt have me. <laughs> oh, I could marry this wench for this device. <laughs> so could I, too. <laughs> Mariah? Mariah, where is Malvolio? He's coming, madam, but in very strange manner. He's sure possessed, madam. Oh, what's the matter? Does he rave? No, madam, he does nothing but smile. Your ladyship had best to have a guard about you if he comes. Sure, the man is tainted in his wits. Oh, I am as mad as he, if sad and merry madness equal be. How now, Malvolia? Sweet lady. Ho, ho, ho. My Lissau, I sent for thee upon a sad occasion. Sad lady? Oh, I could be sad. This does make some obstruction in the blood, this cross-gartering, but... Oh, what of that? If it please the eye of one, it is with me as a very true son. It is please one, please all. Oh, dost thou, man? What is the matter with thee? Not black in my mind, though yellow in my leg. Oh, it did come to his hands, and commands shall be executed. I think we do know the sweet Roman hand. Wilt thou go to bed, Malvolio? To bed, I, sweetheart, and I'll come to thee. God comfort thee. How do you, Malvolio? Why do you appear with this ridiculous boldness before me, lady? Be not afraid of greatness. Ho, 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 well written. What meanest by that, Malvolio? Some are born great. Eh? Some achieve greatness. So. And some have greatness thrust upon them. Heavenly Toby. Remember who commended thy yellow stockings... My yellow stocking. And wish to see thee ever cross-gartered. Cross-gartered? Go to, thou art made. If thou desirest to be so. Oh, oh, am I made? Oh, why, why, this is very midsummer madness. Madam, madam, the young gentleman at the Duke Orsino's is returned. I could hardly entreat him back. He attends your ladyship's pleasure. Oh, I'll come to him. Good Mariah, let this fellow be looked to. Where's my cousin Toby? Let some of my people have a special care of him. I would not have him miscarry for the half of my dowry. Oh, ho, ho, ho. You come near me now. Ho, no worse man than Sir Toby to look to me. Oh, this concurs directly with the letter. She sends him on purpose that I may appear stubborn to him. Which way is he in the name of sanctity? If all the devils of hell be drawn and little and legion himself possessed him, yet I'll speak to him. Here he is. Here he is. Oh, how is it with you, sir? How is it with you, man? Go off. I discard you. Let me enjoy my private. Go off. Why, how now, my boarcock? How dost thou, Chuck? Go hang yourselves all. You are idle, shallow things. I am not of your element. You shall know more 
you're after. <laughs> this is Fessy the Clown. To tell you there is yet more fun afoot. Silly Sir Andrew is fighting cocktails of the Duke's face, Cesario. Now, Sir Toby Belch has spurred Sir Andrew to challenge the youth to a duel. <laughs> I know Andrew is a coward. As for Cesario, to the soft-spoken youth, they are both like to die of fright. But, Harry, here comes the page now. And Sir Toby to meet him with A.U. Cheek's challenge. Gentlemen, God save me. And you, sir. That defense thou hast to take thee to it. Thy interceptor, bloody as the hunter, attends thee at the orchard. <laughs> oh, you mistake, sir. I'm sure no man hath any quarrel to me. I pray you, sir, what is he? One Sir Andrew. He is a devil in a private brawl. Oh, I will return again into the house and desire some conduct of the lady. I am no fighter. Back you shall not to the house. <laughs> I beseech you, do me this courteous office as to know of the night what my offense to him is. I will do so, Sir Feste. I Sir Toby. Say you by this gentleman, Sir I Andrew, he's a very devil. Oh, pox on it. I, I'll not meddle with him. Aye, but he'll not now be pacified. Best they can scarce hold him yonder. Oh, let him let the matter slip. And I, I'll give him my horse, Great Capulet. I'll make the motion. Stand here. Make a good show on it. This shall end without the perdition of soul. Oh. There's no remedy, Signor Cesario. He will fight with you for all sake. He protests he will not hurt you. Pray God, defendant. A little thing would make me tell them how much I lack of him hand. Come, Sir Andrew, the gentleman, for his honor's sake, have one bout with you. But he has promised me he will not hurt you. Oh, pray God, he keep his oath. Come on. Come on, Come on, do it! Say the clown. There's a strange pirate man running in at the Put up your sword. If this young gentleman have done offense, I take the fault on me. If you offend him, I for him defy you. You so I what are you? One, sir, that for his love dares yet do more than you have heard him brag to you, he will. Nay, if you'll be an undertaker, I am for you. Oh, good, sir, now behold! Here come the officers. Officers? I'll be with you or not. Antonio, I arrest thee at the suit of Count Orsino. You do mistake me, sir. No, sir, no job. I know your favor well. Take him away. He knows I know him well. I must obey. Sebastian this comes of seeking you. But there's no remedy I shall answer it. What will you do now my necessity makes me to ask you for my purse? Come, sir, away. Sebastian, I must entreat of you some of that money. What money, sir? For the fair kindness that you've showed me here... Out of my lean and low ability, I lend you something. Oh, there's half my copper. Do not tempt my misery, lest that it make me so unsound a man as to abade you with those kindnesses that I have done for you. I know of nothing, nor know I you by voice or any feature. Oh, heavens themselves. Come, sir, I pray you, go. Let me speak a little. This youth that you see here, Sebastian, I snatched one half out of the jaws of death. What's that to us? Time goes by. Away. This is Turl, your narrator. Fester the Clown may be clever, but there are a few things he does not know. First, he does not know that Cesario is really the girl Viola. Second, he does not know that Viola has a twin brother, Sebastian. Third, and you may have begun to suspect this, he does not know that Sebastian, alive and rescued by the stranger Antonio, is at this very moment coming down the winding road. As Festy would say, more fun afoot. Sir Andrew and Sir Toby are seeking Viola because she ran away after the duel. And Sir Andrew is now convinced that he has a coward he can bully. Now they come upon Sebastian, mistaking him for the disguised Viola. Now, sir, have I met you again? There's for you. Why, there's for you. Ah. And there, ah. and there. Ah. Are all the people mad? Hold, oh, sir, or I'll throw you down or the house. Quiet. Come on, sir, hold. Oh, nay, sir, let him alone. I'll have an action of battery against him. If there be any law in Illyria... Let go thy hand, son. I will not let you go. Well, come, my young soldier. Put up your iron. Your will fleshed. Come on. I will be free from thee. What would you now? A 
How darest tempt me further? Draw thy sword. What? What? Nay, then I must have an ounce of this malapert blood from you. To it, then. Here comes my lady. Madam. Will it be ever thus? Ungracious wretch fit for the mountains and the barbarous caves where manners ne'er were preached. But, 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 Out but, but, of my sight. Be not offended, dear Cesario. Rude be, be gone. Oh, Cesario. I pray thee, gentle friend, let thy fair wisdom, not thy passion, sway in this uncivil and unjust extent against thy plea. Go with me to, to my house, and hear thou there how many fruitless pranks this ruffian hath botched up. That thou thereby mayst smile at it. Ah, thou shalt not choose but go. Fair lady. Ah, blame not this haste of mine. If you mean well, plight me the full assurance of your faith. Do not deny. If it be thus to dream, still let me sleep. Oh, nay, come, my pretty. Would thou be ruled by me? Madam, I will. Oh. And so be, then lead the way, and heaven so shine, that they may fairly note this act of mine. And so you see, Olivia gets her man, and doesn't know that it's the wrong man. That is to say, she marries Sebastian, believing him to be Cesario while Cesario, in reality, is Sebastian's twin sister, Viola. You see what I mean, I'm sure. But even if you don't, the truth will out in a few moments, for here is the Duke at Olivia's gate, grimly resolved to do his own wooing. With him is Viola, still dressed as a boy. Here, too, are the officers with the pirate Antonio, who rescued Sebastian from the sea. Antonio still insists that Viola is Sebastian. And now comes Olivia, who, of course, looks upon Viola... As the man she has just married. Here comes the Countess. Now heaven walks on earth. Cesario! Cesario! Oh! Cesario, you do not keep promise with me, madam. Uh, gracious Olivia. What do you say, Cesario? My lord would speak. My duty hushes me. If it be to the old tune, my lord, it is as fat and fulsome to mine ear as howling after music. Still so cruel. And still so constant, my lord. What, to perverseness? You uncivil lady, come, boy, with me. My thoughts are ripe in mischief. And I most jocund, apt and willingly to do rest. A thousand deaths would die. Where? Where goes Cesario? After him, I love. More than I love these eyes. More than my life. More by all more than e'er I shall love wife. Oh, I mean, detested. How I am beguiled. Who does beguile you? Who does it? Hast thou forgot thyself? Is it so long? Come away. Oh, Cesario, my husband. Hey. Husband? Aye, husband. Can he that deny? Her husband's error? No, my lord, not I. Oh, thou dissembling cop. What wilt thou be when time hath sowed a grizzle on thy case? Farewell and take her, but direct thy feet where thou and I henceforth may never meet. My lord, I do protest, my, my lord. I swear. Oh, little face, thou hast too much fear. Oh, for the love of God, a surgeon. Send one presently to Sir Toby. Oh, what's the matter, Sir Andrew? He has broke my head across and has given Sir Toby a bloody coxcomb, too. Oh, who has done this to The Andrew? Count's gentleman, one Cesario. My gentleman, Cesario? Why do you speak to me? I never heard you. Oh, if a bloody coxcomb be a hurt, you have hurt me. Oh, oh, here comes Sir Toby, haughty. How now, gentlemen? How is it with you? Oh, that's all one. Has hurt me, and there's the end of it. Get him to mm. bed and let his hurt be looked to. Yeah, I, I'll help you, Sir Toby. Will you help? <coughs> An ass head <coughs> and a coxcomb <coughs> and a knave. A thin-faced knave, a gold. Madam, I am sorry, madam, I have hurt your kinsman. Oh. But had it been the brother of my blood, I must have done no less with wit and safety. Oh. One face, one voice, one habit. Oh, and two persons. You throw a strange regard upon me. Sebastian. Antonio. Oh, my dear Antonio. Sebastian, are you? Where is thou that, Antonio? How have you made division of yourself? An apple Clepton, too, is not more twin than these two creatures. Which is Sebastian? Which, which is Cesario? Do I stand there? 
I never had a brother. I had a sister whom the blind waves and searches have devoured. What charity, what kin are you to me? What countryman, what name, what parentage? Of Messaline. Sebastian was my father. Such a Sebastian was my brother, too. So went he suited to his watery tomb. If spirits can assume both form and suit, you come to fright us. Well, you a woman, if the rest goes even, I should my tears let fall upon your cheek and say, thrice welcome, drowned Viola. If nothing lets to make us happy both, but this my masculine usurped it are. Do not embrace me till each circumstance of place, time, fortune, Luca here and jump that I am, Viola. Boy, thou hast said to me a thousand times, thou never shouldst love woman like to me. And all those sayings will I overswear. And all those swearings keep as true in soul as doth that orbit continent, the fire that severs day from night. Give me thy hand, and let me see thee in thy woman's weeds. Madam! Madam! Oh, here comes Malvolio. They say, poor gentleman, he's much distressed. Madam! I, madam! Is this the madman? I, my lord. The same. How now, Malvolio? Madam, you have done me wrong. Notorious wrong. Oh, have I, Malvolio? Lady, you have. Pray you peruse that letter and tell me in the modesty of honor why you have given me such clear likes of favor. Bade me come smiling and cross-gartered to you. To put on yellow stockings and to frown upon Sir Toby and the lighter people. And made me the most notorious geck and gull that her invention played on. Tell me why. Alas, Malvolio, this is not my writing, though I confess, much like the character, but out of question. Tis Maria's hand. Good madam, hear me speak. Most freely I confess. Myself and Sir Toby set this device against Malvolio here. Maria writ the letter at Sir Toby's great importance. In recompense whereof, he hath married her. Alas, poor Malvolio, how they have baffled thee. I'll be revenged on the old pack of you. Pursue him and entreat him to a peace. Meantime, sweet sister, we will not part from hence. Cesario, come. For so you shall be while you are a man. But when in other habits you are seen, Orsino's mistress and his fancy's queen. When that I was and a little tiny boy With a hey-ho, the wind and the rain A foolish thing was but a toy For the rain it raineth every day A great while ago the world begun With a hey-ho, the wind and the rain but that's all one, our play is done. And we'll strive to please you every day. And so the curtain falls at Columbia's Playhouse in New York City on the radio adaptation of Shakespeare's fantasy, Twelfth Night. Downstage, acknowledging the tremendous applause you hear, are Tallulah Bankhead, who played Viola, Sir Cedric Hardwick, who was Malvolio, Helen Menken, who was Olivia, Orson Welles, who played Duke Orsino, and Estelle Winwood, who played Mariah. Mark Smith played Sir Toby Belch, Robert Strauss played Sir Andrew Aguecheek, Burford Hampton was Feste the Clown, Sidney Smith was Sebastian, Ray Collins Antonio, John Griggs Valentine, Niles Welch the Orchestra. Conway Turrell was the narrator. And the musical score was arranged and conducted by Victor Bay. The play was adapted for radio and produced by Brewster Morgan. Before concluding the program, here is a special announcement. One half hour from now, from 10.30 to 11 p.m., Eastern Daylight Saving Time, the Columbia Network will present the curtain calls of its 1937 Shakespeare cycle. This program, originating in both New York and Hollywood, will present informal interviews with many of the stars and people who have joined Columbia in making its 1937 Shakespeare cycle possible. Also from Hollywood, you will hear an important announcement from Cecil B. DeMille concerning the plans of the Lux Radio Theater when it returns to the air two weeks from tonight on September 13th. Don't forget, one half hour from now, the curtain calls of Columbia's 1937 Shakespeare cycle. This has been another presentation of the Columbia Broadcasting System.